take your copy of God's Word and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're in the second half of the chapter, and if you were with us last week, if Jesus didn't get you with his words last week, he will get you today. He will get all of us today. It's a powerful, challenging passage that he has for us here. And if you remember, Jesus, before these six illustrations said that our righteousness had to surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees who were experts in God's law. They were more experts in their own additional laws. But Jesus says that our righteousness has to be surpassing theirs. Now, on the one hand, that's unattainable. We can't be perfect on this earth. And therefore, we need Christ. We need the cross of Christ to pay for our sin, which he has amply provided if we will only say yes and place our trust not in ourselves for how good we are, but in Christ. And at the same time, after we've come to know Christ as Savior, the goal is that we from the heart would follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the letter of the law, but from the heart. And so Jesus gives us three more powerful illustrations today. Newton's third law of motion, many of you in this city full of scientists know it, but it says that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Well, that's fine in science. Makes sense. Okay. It makes a little smoke come out of my ears. I'll have to admit it. But it does make sense. The problem is many of us use that law in our relationships. Whatever you do to me, I'll do the same back to you. As a matter of fact, there's some of you who are listening right now that you're having to kind of pause and realize that for the first time, maybe, hmm, I never thought that was wrong. But unfortunately, many of us live that way, and all of us tend and drift that way. So be ready. Jesus is going to challenge me. He has been with this message all week, and now uh, I have the joy of passing on the pain to you. Verse 33, Jesus said, Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Not in my notes, but trust me, if I could make my hair black, I would. And Jesus says I can't do it. But anyway, let your statement be <clears throat> yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond these is of evil. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, 
What do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, let's take these one at a time. Jesus says, you've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Now, this he's quoting from the Old Testament, and this is true. We're told in the Old Testament how serious it is to make a vow before the Lord. We shouldn't make vows carelessly because the Lord is very serious about are fulfilling those vows. So here again, he's saying, yes, you've heard this from the Old Testament. That's true. But here again, Jesus is going to take it deeper. He says, I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. You shall not make an oath by your head, and so on. Now, here's what had happened. They had developed two customs that were not good, that were not pleasing to the Lord, and they were again dancing around the letter of the law and making exclusions. One was they had begun this custom of making frivolous vows, kind of poetic. And uh, I swear to you, I make an oath by Israel and by Jerusalem and by this and by that, leaving the Lord's name out of it, but speaking carelessly of the Lord's ways and the Lord's things and uh, those things that had to pertain of the Lord. So he's saying, no, you need to be careful with your words. You need to not speak of me in careless ways. Taking the Lord's name in vain, for example, is not just those words we consider as curse words that have to do with the Lord's name, but even just using it carelessly. Lots of slang and phrases these days use the Lord's name carelessly. Do you use substitute curse words, for example? Well, I don't say that word, but I say a word that obviously kind of is a way to say that without saying it. The Lord is a part of all of our conversations, listens to all of our words, and so you may need to make this a matter of prayer. First, of confession to the Lord. You know, Lord, I say things that I don't need to say. Ask the Lord to forgive you, which you will, because of the cross of Christ. But then ask the Lord to, as the psalmist said, set a guard, O Lord, over the gate, the door of my mouth. And get accountability partners to point out when you say those things that are not right. But the other custom that they had developed was they had found another, another loophole that if they swore by, if they made an oath by anything having to do with the Lord, it was binding. But if they made an oath by something that didn't involve the Lord's name, then it was not binding. So they'd swear by all of these things, but then they would break their oaths. And so Jesus says, enough with this. You don't need an oath to be held accountable for what you've said, what you've promised. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Say yes and mean it. Say no and mean it. The Christian has an opportunity in all three of these illustrations from Jesus today. The Christian has an opportunity for great witness when we go the extra mile, which we'll see in a moment and has become a phrase in our vocabulary, when we go the extra mile in doing what's right and beyond. Tell the truth. When you don't tell the truth, make it right. Can I share with you an embarrassing story about this? And you would say, I know. Sure, Pastor, we love embarrassing stories about you. Several years ago, we lived in Oregon. We had some friends in our church who lived about 15 minutes outside of town, and we often went there to eat and fellowship with them. And we got in the van one night, and we were driving home, and one of my teenagers uh, who was learning to drive was driving. And so I was sitting several seats back. We had a 15-passenger van. There were 10 of us. 
Well, I didn't know that our headlight was out. And so a state policeman pulled us over to let us know about the headlight. And as he did in his routine check, he flashlighted, shown his flashlight back down the seats. Everybody wearing a seatbelt because in Oregon you're required by law to wear a seatbelt even in the back seats. Well, he didn't ask me point blank, sir, are you wearing a seatbelt? But when he said, is everyone wearing a seatbelt? I mumbled something like, hum, 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 uh, because I wasn't. Well, he sent us on our way. All was good, except for it was nagging at me. You know, I didn't tell the truth. Well, it just so happened that I knew this state policeman lived not too far from us. And so the next day I waited for him to wake up if he'd been waiting, working all night. And I went and knocked on his door and told him, sir, you asked, is everyone wearing their seatbelt? And I didn't speak up and tell you, no, I'm not wearing my seatbelt. Well, he didn't really care, of course. But it was good for me to have to go and make it right. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Tell the truth. And when you don't, make it right. Well, he goes on. He says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, but you see the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was not meant to encourage revenge, but was meant to limit revenge. In other words, if someone had done something wrong, criminal to you, the payment must not be more than what they did to you. And the payment was worked out, the justice was worked out through the others, through the leaders in the town, the village. It wasn't personal revenge taking back. So Jesus says, in effect, I know that you've been twisting an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but let me tell you a few things. And he gives us some illustrations about how we're to treat those who treat us wrongly or who ask too much of us. Now, he's going to give us a few illustrations here, and what he's trying to point out is more than these illustrations. These aren't the only instances, but it's certainly not less than these illustrations. And so he says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. You may have heard about the man uh, who was usually known for being pretty peaceful, but he got into a fight, and someone said, what happened? And he said, well, I ran out of cheeks. Thank you. Uh, so... Anyway, here's the point. Usually, folks are right-handed. Now, I know you left-handed folks are saying, except for the special people. I know. I see a few of you uh, on the screen and in the room. Typically, a right-handed person would slap you on the left cheek. You do the math there, and you stand up, pair up, and figure out how this works. To slap you on the right cheek would generally refer a back, re require a backhand. A backhand, just as it is today, was a double insult. So Jesus says, when someone insults you, he's not talking about just physical striking. When someone insults you, take it for the Lord's sake and let them have the other cheek as well. That's not easy for us. That's not easy for me. We go back to Newton's third law. Whatever you do to me, I do the same to you or more. But Jesus says, no, you have an opportunity for incredible witness when you take it. Now, Jesus was slapped across and struck many times. And Jesus asked the question. He politely said, is it proper to strike me? So he's not saying take abuse. He's not saying don't get out of a dangerous situation. He's not saying it's not okay to talk about things. But Jesus went on to die at the hands of those who struck him. It's okay to get away. He's not talking about physical abuse. But insult for the sake of Christ. 
Yes, there's a time to talk about it. Yes, there's a time to defend your nation. Yes, there's a time to defend your home and to defend the innocent and all of these things. But the, the point is, Jesus is saying, are you willing to take what's not right for the sake of Christ from the heart as an opportunity to witness? Imagine the witness it is when someone does you wrong. Others see it often and you don't respond in kind. People want to know what's different about that person. There are people who will do you the greatest favors by doing you wrong if you respond the way that Christ would have you respond. You will be lifted up like you can't imagine, and then as a believer, you can give credit and glory to the Lord. But he goes on, he says, whoever sues you and wants to take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Now, the shirt, the inner garment, your version may say, there are many, uh, people would have many of these. But the outer coat, the outer garment, they weren't like us and had multiple outer shirts and multiple coats hanging in the closet. It was a special piece of clothing. And so Jesus says, whoever's suing you, and the, the insinuation here, they're doing you wrong, they're suing you unjustly, give them more than they ask for. Who, who does that? Only someone who has the love of Christ living in their heart. Imagine the witness that it is when you say, you're doing me wrong to this degree, I'll let you have this degree. And he says, whoever requires you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, soldiers throughout history, certainly during this time when with the Roman Government soldiers could require a citizen to carry their pack for a mile. Jesus says when he does that, go with him too. Can you imagine? And you approach that mile mark, and they were you know, experts at having everything marked out, and you just keep going. See, because it's at that 1.1 mile that you begin to actually serve the person more than is required. And so imagine... The witness that could be ours when we go the extra mile, which we still use today in our English vocabulary. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Again, over and over we see in the scripture, it's the believer, it's God's children who are the lenders, who are the givers. Pray that God will make you generous. Pray that God will make you able to share. It's not easy for many of us. It goes against our nature. So in all of these things, Jesus has said, you've heard, get them back. Go get them. And Jesus says, I say to you, I can work in you, putting words into Jesus' mouth here, but I can put my spirit in you in such a way that I can help you react like no one else reacts. People are one to the Lord through this. Spouses, seeing their believing spouse, treat them in a way that only God could do. Neighbors, co-workers, siblings, family members, when you treat them in a way that no one else would treat them in response to the way that they treat you. True manliness as a believer, yes, protects the innocent, yes, helps those in need, but true manliness doesn't have to react back in the way in which we were treated. And that's supernatural. Only Jesus can do that in you. You can ask Jesus to begin doing this in you. And he goes on now with a third illustration. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. That part is quoted in the Old Testament. Second half of the sentence is not, and hate your enemy. The Lord never said that. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Oh, come on. Wow. It doesn't say that you have to think that they're doing you well. 
doesn't say that you have to think your enemies are just the greatest thing on the face of the earth. But he says, this kind of love, this agape godly love, he says, I'm asking you, I'm telling you as a believer, that when someone has made themselves your enemy, and you see, we shouldn't have enemies. There are those who have made us their enemies, but the believer in Christ shouldn't have enemies. But when they've made themselves your enemy, I'm saying to you, Jesus says, I want you to choose to love them the way that I love you. Doesn't mean you have to say what they've done is right. Doesn't mean that you have to excuse things. But he's saying, I want you to show love to them and to pray for them. You know, it's really hard to hate someone for whom you're praying. You begin to pray. And as believers, asking God to help you to have pity on them. And most people who treat other people wrong have deep hurts in their own life, have deep issues. They're searching for something. And to try to find it, they're taking it out on other people. And you've just become their target today. And so Jesus says, you make them a part of your prayer list. Asking that they'll come to Christ. Asking that God will meet the needs that they're choosing to try to fulfill through being unkind to others. Show love to them and pray for them. Wow. He says, in doing so, you'll be proving yourselves in order that you may be sons. You'll be showing that you're sons of your Father who is in heaven. You'll be acting like a Christian. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see, God shows favor to those who do him wrong. He shows favor to me when I do him wrong. And it's interesting that Sometimes my life shows that I want God to treat me a way that I don't want to treat other people. I want him to forgive me of much. But like that one in Matthew 18, I don't want to forgive them of much of anything. You'll be shown to be one of mine when you do these things. Hmm. And he goes on. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't even the tax gatherers? Do the same. It's pretty easy to show love to those who are showing love to us. It takes the Spirit of God living in us to show love to those who are not showing love to us. I don't know how many times I said love to us in that sentence, but you figure it out. In verse 47, and if you greet your brothers only, greeting is a kind, warm expression, then what more do you do than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? No, Jesus wasn't looking down on the Gentiles. But he knew that they were. And so it's a dig here to say, you're not much better or any better than a Gentile or a tax gatherer if you only love those who love you and you're only kind and greet those who are kind and greet you. Wow, if you can't say amen, say ouch, as one said. This takes the Lord working in us. You've got to come to know Christ as your Savior, or else you're just manufacturing this on your own strength and your own power. And we go back, we hearken back to the beginning where he said, your righteousness has to surpass that of the laws and the the, 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 uh, the scribes and the Pharisees who were expert keepers of the law, which we can't do, so we need Christ. So for some of you today, the message is this, you need to know Christ as your Savior. Quit trying to be good to please him. Quit trying to think you can do this or that and know him and know that you're going to heaven. Quit trying to live this life in your own strength, your own power. And today, come to Christ and say, you've nailed me again. I'm incomplete. I can't do this. Which is true for all of us. So please forgive me because of the cross. 
because of what you did in giving your life. What you did in, in exemplifying every one of these to the max. That the Creator left heaven to come and to die at the hands of His own creation. Unbelievable. He's shown us how this works. And so come into my heart. Forgive me. And live there as my Lord and Savior. And then as a believer, you still can't do this. You still can't live this perfectly, which we're going to talk about in this next verse. But this is still the aim, the goal from the heart to begin asking God to help us to think about, treat others this way. You know, John the Baptist said over in the book of John, he must increase, Christ must increase, I must decrease. That's the title of this message, that this is what this is all about. It's not me lifting myself up. Don't touch me, I'll get you. It's me lowering myself and asking Christ to live this through me. And that's what he says in verse 48. Therefore, you're to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this word perfect means many things. It means to come to full maturity, to come to all that you were designed to be. And the Lord God is the full righteousness, perfection, holiness. We were talking about this in devotions last night. Yes, one of my kiddos said holiness. Yes, it's everything in its perfection. Now, we will never live perfectly on this earth. We'll still be forgiven sinners till the day that we die. So this perfection is about our, our aim. It is about our destination. It is about us as believers saying, you know what? God, help me today to stop living in the flesh in my relationships. Because in my relationships, I've been just living saying, yeah, I'm a believer. I believe in God, all those things. But if you poke me, I poke back. And Lord, I'm just going to admit today that I'm realizing afresh that's not right. Everyone's been done wrong. It's not easy. It's not good. We don't excuse that. There's many degrees of pain as I think through our congregation alone. But there are some, not all, but there's some that there's some answers here for you. You've met those believers who every single person they know has done them wrong. And you begin to say, hmm, that's kind of uh, more than a coincidence. I've known churches who have had ten bad pastors in a row. I've known pastors who have served at ten bad churches in a row. You get this picture. There's some listening today that your relationships would improve a lot if you began applying these. There's some of you, unfortunately, that as you listen to these, these illustrations, you realize you're the one that's being illustrated. And you need to repent. And ask those in your life to forgive you. Repentance and forgiveness are two of the great keys in the Christian life. There are those to whom you, I, need to repent frequently. And there are many whom you and I need to forgive. It's not excusing it. It's just saying, as far as it is between me and you and God, I forgive you. And now you deal with God. Corey Ten Boom, many of you know her story. Back in the World War II era, she and her father and sister went to one of the concentration camps, Ravensbrück, in Germany. Their crime was that they were hiding and protecting the Jewish people. Her father and her sister died in that camp. Cruel, horrible conditions. Corey Ten Boom was released on what was uh, to be a clerical error. God had intervened as God used her so greatly in those years between the concentration camp and her death. 
And she had traveled, it was 1947. She had traveled back from Holland into Germany. The war was over. Germany had been defeated. And she was speaking and telling her story. She was telling the story, not just of the concentration camp, but of her relationship with God. And how Christ and his cross will forgive your sins. And cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And cast your sins into the depths of the ocean. After she spoke, people gathered to greet her. And in the crowd pushing through, she saw him. And she recognized his face. She kept flashing back and forth. She would see him in his cap or his, uh, his hat and his overcoat. But then she'd flash and see him in his blue uniform with the skull and crossbones on his cap. And she realized that he was one of the guards and one of the cruelest guards in that concentration camp. He made his way up to the front and he stuck out his hand and he said, wonderful talk, Fraulein. She stared at his hand and he went on. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrück. He said, I was a guard there. It was terrible what I did. Since that time, I've come to know Christ as my Savior, and I've experienced what you talked about today, the forgiveness of Christ. But he said, it's important to me that I ask you to forgive me. And she struggled. Her hand was in her pocket, and she couldn't get that hand to come out. But she knew that she was facing the choice to actually prove all that she had just said or disprove it. And so she made a deal with God in what seemed like an eternity but must have lasted just a few seconds. And she said, God, I know that I must forgive this man, but I don't have any emotion toward that in my whole being. And so, God, I will thrust my hand out and I will accept his hand, but you're going to have to supply any emotion to forgive. And finally she did. She grasped a man's hand and she said, starting at her shoulder and going down to her fingers and then flooding all through her body came the emotion after the obedience. And she was able to say then from her heart and with great joy, I forgive you. She said they stood there and clasped hands for several more seconds. And she truly learned what it means to forgive like Christ has forgiven us. Powerful story. I've never been through anything like that. But all of us have been wronged. Only Christ can work through us to forgive them. Some of you need to find someone face-to-face, by phone, some way to communicate with them and to ask them to forgive you. All of us, whether the person has asked for it or not, need to forgive again and again and again. If we don't, bitterness will grow, according to Hebrews 12:15. See to it that you do not resist the grace of God, and root of bitterness spring up, and by it many be defiled. Bitterness, one said, is like drinking poison. And expecting the other person to die. It will eat you up. And like a cancer, it will begin to spread to those around you. Ask God, is there a bitterness in my life? You don't have to go searching for it. Just ask God. God, whom do I need to forgive again today? And then those of you who don't know Christ for sure as your Savior, here in just a moment, we're going to pray and give you the opportunity to come to know Christ who forgave you in the face of all that you and I ever did to him. We're going to have a time of reflection. We're going to close our eyes. Musicians will begin to play here in just a moment. and It's a time for us as believers to just, again, ask God. You don't have to beat yourself up trying to find if there's anyone to whom you need to repent or anyone whom you need to forgive. God will show you. 
And then in your heart, you forgive them. If there's been something that they know about, deal with it publicly with, with that person. If not, just deal with it in your heart. And then there are those of us who need to forgive others. Some have asked for forgiveness, some have not, but still we forgive them. And every time it comes back to mind and the devil brings it back up, we forgive them again and again and again. And now those of you who say today that, you know, I don't really know for sure that I know Christ is my Savior. I want to give you the opportunity to pray right now. The words are not magic. It's the heart. It's the heart telling God these things. So right where you're at, you pray this, this prayer. 